head. Let's pray. Father, um, not so long ago, Kenny told me that when you don't have it in you and you feel like it's too hard or you can't go on and uh, you just don't feel like you have it and left in you and you can't do it, Lord, to just speak to your people. And uh, Lord, I, I remember that day that he said it and I remember that you gave him those words to speak to his people. And Lord, I just trust that you'll give me the words to speak now. I pray that, God, that your word would penetrate hearts. I pray that people who feel weak in life right now, that would leave here strong and brave and confident as a warrior. Lord, I just pray for the person doubting that you would answer their questions. And Lord, that you would change their mind. And Father, I just pray tonight for those who are hungry. Hungry for something to fill the void, fill the void in their stomach. And they're having hunger pains. God, I pray that with this series, through this series, I pray that that, that hunger would be satisfied. That God, our, our hunger would switch from a hunger for this world to a hunger for you. And that our appetite for sin would decrease and our appetite for you would increase. I just pray that we would learn right now and that you would just help me speak to your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I have some uh, good news before I introduce the series. Um, You know that uh, I now have a baby. I think that was her that just cried. But uh, uh, anyways, I have a baby here. But what's crazy story about this is, is that she's actually here. Because, um, see, last night she almost wasn't here. Uh, every night uh, since, you know, we could start giving her a bath, we've given her a bath, right? So uh, my wife was like, Kylie said, um, it's like, hey, you ready to give her a bath? I'm like, eh, yeah, whatever. I'm tired. I'm laying on the couch, and then I get up, and, I, and Bailey Ray was over there, and she was like, uh, Keith, I can do it. And I was like, no. See, what you don't know, I'm a beast at this thing. Like, I can hold that baby while... Kylie washes her with that little rag, and I, I can do that. Like, I'm a beast at it. I can even hold her little head under the faucet and get no water in her face, right? And I'm just, I'm, I'm doing it. Like, I'm, I'm, I got her like football, you know, like Heisman. I got her like this, and like her little legs right here, and head is right there in the palm. And I, it was perfect formation for you guys, y'all who know what perfect formation for baby holding is. I have that. So I'm in there. I got the water, perfect temperature, guys. Like, it's not too hot. And it's not too cold. You don't want the baby to cry. So I got her right here, guys. I'm holding her. And it's time for the head. So I shift her over to the head where it's just barely falling on her head. And apparently she got real relaxed because this hand was on the butt. It was the head and then the butt. And I felt something real warm on my hand, on this left hand. And the faucet was over here. So something, something else was warm, you know. And I looked down and... There, there's the yellow stuff coming, and I was like, she's peeing, but see, her butt was not over the sink. It was like over the floor, so I, I said, hey, babe, she's peeing, and uh, I started shifting her, like, closer. I wasn't freaking out or nothing. I don't care about the pee. Like, you know, for the most part, it's sterile. It ain't going to do nothing to me, so I started shifting her to it, and I'm just looking at the pee, like, oh, yeah, it's going to the sink, and all the while... 
Kylie looks over to the left and looks back, and that water is just all on her face, just running. I thought, you know, she didn't have to cry in a minute. You know, I'm sitting there looking at the thing, and she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So, so, like, the baby's like, oh, my God. You know, and then she's like, she took her from me, and I just sat there and stared like, is she okay? Like, and then, and then she was like, the baby was trying to scream, but she couldn't. Her, face, her little face was like as red as those chairs. And Kyle's blowing her face like, I thought we were just going to do CPR, guys. Like, I was just like, this is awful. Like, I, my one chance, you know, like my one chance to, to change all the dad's views. Like, everybody's like, no, man, don't know how to change a diaper. Okay, I can change a diaper, guys. I can do that. But I was trying to, you know, redirect history for men. You know, I, I got tired of people making fun of men on TV shows, okay? So... And then it, it happened. I just stared, guys. I was just like, oh, my God. I was holding back tears, and it was, it was a very big moment in my daddy life. And we bring her in there, and, you know, I, I, was, I was really, I was fighting tears. So I almost killed the baby, but luckily she's alive. It was just like I didn't even see the faucet running over her little face, and it was just, it was bad, guys. I... I'm not going to lie to you. I could not sleep last night. I actually slept talked. Yeah, I didn't sleep walk. I slept talked. And, uh, and I didn't even know it for two nights in a row, probably because I was worried sick that my, my baby still had water running down her face or something. And it, what was really weird is I dreamt that there was like water running down my leg. You know, I was just stressed out. I'm still stressed out about it. I ain't going to lie to you guys. But she's here. She's alive. And she's well. Okay? She did not drown under the faucet. So we're good. I can say that now because she's alive. Praise the Lord. And I plan on from here on out to redirect that and just make up for that mistake. I'm going to be the best daddy you've ever seen. Every bath time is going to be right, right here, eyes on the faucet. No, no longer, I don't care if she's peeing. I'll let it go everywhere. I don't care if she's peeing on me. All right? So there's that. Anyways, so uh, I, I said that to say this, and it was kind of funny how it happened last night because... Uh, I learned a lesson last night that I'm still learning lessons. Does that make sense? Like, I learned the lesson that I am still learning lessons. And what's really crazy is, like, I don't even, like, I'm, I still, sometimes I just don't realize I'm 23 years old. Like, I feel like I'm supposed to, I hang out with, like, 40-year-olds all the time, like Kenny and, you know, guys from work and, you know, Jay, and I'm hanging around all these older guys all the time, and I think I'm supposed to be as good as them. Like, I think, I think I'm supposed to be where they are, and I think that I'm on their level playing field with them. Like, I see them, I look up to them, but I think I expect out of myself what they expect out of themselves because, I mean, they're obviously wiser than I am. But I was trying to think, I'm still learning how to be wise and be young. You see, like, I don't know if y'all know this. I know parents, you know this about your kids, but we have a very wise group of kids right here. Like, and if you're a small group leader, you know this because, like, some of them say things that you're like, you think of that? Like, that is just unbelievable. How old are you again? Like, I thought you were, like, 12. And it's like, yeah, I'm 11. You know, it's like, oh, good. You know, you're, you're, y'all are thinking about that, and you're 11 years old. Like, and there's some things, like, if y'all have been in the guys' small group, I mean, there's things we talk about, and there's things, like, we go really deep into detail about things, and it's just like, hey, why do you do this, or why do you do that? And it's just like, all of them know these things. Like, it's like, they're very wise. And I'm, I'm still learning, and I know y'all are learning, too, that it's hard to be young and grow in wisdom. 
Because it's like your wisdom is growing faster than your body or, you know, your mind. It's like you know these things, but you're still trying to grow into that wisdom or grow into the things you know because you know a lot. Like, y'all know a lot of things and, like, know a lot of more, you know, a lot of things that even some of the adults don't know because we're behind the times, you know. Like, I'm behind the times. I'm 23. I'm like, times move fast, you know. I don't even know some of the words y'all are using, like, I, I probably shouldn't say them because I don't know what they mean, and I'm scared that it's actually going to... So I'm not going to say what the word I heard someone say the other day, and I don't know what it means, but y'all laughed. So I was like, okay, maybe it's funny. Maybe I should use that. Maybe I shouldn't. But still learning that thing. And I, I'm also still trying to learn like how to not care what people think about me, but stay humble. How does that even, how does that even work? Like That doesn't even make sense. Like How can I be up here and not care, uh, give a single care in the world about what y'all think about me because I'm up here, I'm confident in the Lord, I know what he has for me to say, and I'm just going to say it, you know, I'm just going to come out and say it. But then you have this like, but I don't want to be prideful, like I want to be able to take it by, like I want to I take correction, I want to take it, and it's like you have to, I mean, there's a really weird thing, it's like growing up, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're always going to be learning lessons. It doesn't matter, so so, like, if you feel, I don't know why I feel like I should say this, but, like, if you feel, like, burdened by the fact that maybe you're behind or feel like you make too many mistakes or you do this or do that, like, look, 99-year-olds are still making mistakes. It's, it's crazy. It's a crazy thing. Like, we're human. You know what I'm saying? Like, so just slow down in your thoughts and in your heart and in your mind and just learn from your mistakes and, and don't let them drag you down. The mistakes are, are there, and you make mistakes so that you can learn from them. Like, now I know not to stick a baby's head under a faucet because, you know, I don't know, we breathe air, not water. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like I didn't understand that last night, but now I do, you know? So you're going to continue to learn and, you know, do things that you obviously, like Captain Obvious kind of things. But anyways, I, I was just thinking about those kind of things, and, and we're in this new series called Appetite, and and. Uh, I, I was I was reading through the Bible not too long ago, like a couple of weeks ago, and I came across this story, and it really it really hit me hard. And we're going to be learning about uh, that story next week, so no, no spoiler alerts here. But the the idea of of appetite is this: is that an appetite is is a strong desire for. So it, it's not just a, a hunger for food; it's a, it's a strong desire for. Something so you can have a strong desire for food. That's a that's a physical uh, appetite. That's a physical hunger. You could be physically hungry and go to McDonald's, right? You have an appetite for McDonald's, or you could have an appetite for you know when you wake up early and and you go work out for either football or or basketball or baseball, whatever sport it is, or or you're working for band. You have a you have an appetite for sport, or you have an appetite for for doing things like working and, and all those different kind of things, and you have an appetite for money. You know, maybe you just want to climb the corporate ladder. Maybe you want to get a new job, a better job, a better paying job. And so you have an appetite for money. Or you might have an appetite to go on a cruise or go to the beach or go to Six Flags. You know, like an appetite for entertainment. We have an appetite. And our appetites move us towards something. When, our, when we feel hunger pains in our stomach, we move towards McDonald's, right? We, we go towards that. And if we have an appetite for money or we have an appetite for entertainment, we're going to go to wherever that is. If you want to have fun, you're going to go to Six Flags. You're going to go to your friend's house. You're going to do, you have an appetite for things. You see, God created us with an appetite. 
But in the beginning, he said, be fruitful and multiply. And I've given you every green plant to eat. And I've given you this. And I've given you this garden. I've given you a relationship with me. I've given you all these things. And he created us with an appetite for those things to glorify him. But then something happened. You see, we just got out of a series called Life, right? And we kept going back to Genesis where they fell, where they had a choice between one of two trees, that they could not eat of. They could eat the rest of the ones, but not these two, because you can't do that. You, you cannot eat of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's not a good thing. You should not do that. See, we're going to go back to there, and you may be getting tired of it, but listen to me. When you can know this part of the story good, the rest of it kind of comes too. Because it's hard to understand the gospel and understand your need for rescue if you don't understand your actual need for it. Like, where did this come from? Where did it fall? And how do I fit into this story? Because I don't even know if I need rescuing. I don't know where this came from. And so we're going back to Genesis chapter 3 tonight, and I don't want you to get tired of it. We're going to look at it a different way this time. But you see, Adam and Eve were in the garden. All right, you had all of creation uh, already done, and Adam and Eve are in the garden, okay? Eve came from Adam. She was his helper. And they, they got married, and they, and they came together, and, man, they, was, they had an awesome relationship. They were, their whole relationship was built around their relationship with God, and they walked with him in the garden every single day. And they were, life was just good because the garden was perfect. It was made for them so that God could show them love, and they were just taking it all in. But see what happened between, like, the third or fourth day and that day, somewhere between there, there was an angel, an archangel that, that wanted to be higher than God. And he decided that one day he was just going to try to take over and take God's position. Even though he was created by God, he somehow thought in his pride that, hey, I'm going to be that. I want to get on top of God and I want to rule this place. And so God kicked him and all of his other little buddies out of heaven. And so he cast down, right? Just Small story, uh, long story short. So he's down there, and now he's in the garden in the form of a serpent or a snake. I don't know if y'all know this, but like not every snake has Satan in it. So don't be, don't be playing games with me. I used to have a pet snake, but uh, I've had three pet snakes actually. And I think they are extremely cool. Don't judge me. Because my wife said it's either me or the snake. When we moved in, I was like, hey, why are you doing that to me? It's, just, it's this big. You know, like it ain't going to eat the baby. You know what I'm saying? But she says, me or the snake, I was like, Hey, listen, I'll sneak you in, and you can sleep in the, in the guest room. You know, like, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to get caught. So, uh, but anyways, so he's in the form of a serpent, okay? So, and then it says in Genesis chapter this, we're going to pick up. And I, I just kind of want to read it, but I was just going to tell it, but I'll, I'll read it. So in uh, Genesis chapter 3, it says, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course you may eat of the good Lord. Of, of course you may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And so he just came, you know, slithering up, and he's like, he's, he's wanting to, he had, he had even his size. He's like, okay, so, and listen, listen, 
this is, this is straight from Scripture, and I want this to be understood in the best way possible. So the Bible describes the woman as the weaker vessel, right? Okay, it has nothing to do with the strength of a woman internally in the heart. It has nothing to do with that. It's describing the woman as coming after the man, as being, as being a natural-born submitter to a leader, and it's meant to, to depict something that, that we're all supposed to follow, that we're submitting to the Lord. And you see, the man was created in God's image, and so was the woman. You see, we call God him, but really he has the attributes of both man and woman because the woman was also made for him. So God has masculine attributes, and he also has feminine, whereas man has masculine and woman has feminine for the most part. And so we have to look at that and we say, God, what do you want us to see from a woman? How do, what do you want us to learn from her? And so we see that, most of all, we see that God wants to be wanted. And we see that, and we, we see in his man attributes that we have to follow him and submit to him. Like the woman is supposed to submit to the man as to the Lord, we have to see that and we say, okay, God, I'm submitting to you. Because we see a picture of it now. Now we know what it looks like. When the woman submits to the man, now we know what that looks like. And when the man leads the woman, now we know what that looks like to follow after God and his leadership. Marriage is the picture of God's relationship with us. It's not man is greater than woman or woman is greater than man. It, it has nothing to do with that. It was, it's a description of God and, and what he created us to be. And we now can see it with our eyes. This is how it's supposed to be. Do you see what I'm saying? So the woman, as the weaker vessel, understood by what I just said, as the weaker vessel, Satan went after her first. And because Adam saw God create everything, or he, he was the first one, he saw everything, and he named all the animals, he did all that kind of stuff, and he knew he was supposed to be the strong, he was supposed to be the leader, and he was, he was supposed to do all this stuff, and, and she was following after Adam. Well, he was not leading at the moment. And so he went after Eve and tried to deceive her. He was the shrewdest of all animals that God had created. And so he was trying to convince her of these things. And you've heard all the stories, but he was like, so are you not supposed to eat of any tree? Did God really say that? And she's like, no, no, no. So you can eat of it, but of any other tree, but except for one in the middle. You see, you can't eat from the one in the middle, and you can't even touch it. Most likely, I heard, you know, I read that, that Adam probably told her, you should probably not even touch that tree because, you know, it's not good. So it's kind of like, I don't even need to be around it. And then all of a sudden, he's like, he's like, no, you won't die. And I started thinking about this the other day. How do they know what death is like? How do they know what death is? Because God just told them, if you eat of this, you will die, right? It's not like they had a picture of what death is. Like well, here we think, oh, death, boom, you're gone. It, there's no more of you. There's a body, but there's no more of you, right? I don't mean to make that lightly, but that's just how it is. And so, like, how do they know what death is? So it's like, you won't surely die. So that's like a deception in and of itself. It's like, oh, I guess I won't die. You know, like, what, what does that even mean? You know, so he, obviously he knows what he's talking about. And so, like, she was, I don't think, so we, we talk about it as if it's like some kind of blatant rebellion against God. She was deceived. It was deceived and, and into thinking that this was actually the right thing to do, right? That's what she was deceived into thinking. Somehow he twisted it. And you see, that's how our appetites are. 
You see, God gave us an appetite for these things, but somehow they got twisted up to where now our appetites are not for God, but they are for other things. And what happened was, this is what happened. She, it, the Bible says, go on to, uh, to the next one, and it says this, that the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. She was convinced. She saw the fruit. She saw that it was beautiful. That's step number one. She saw that it was beautiful. It was the delight to the eyes, and that's temptation. That's where the temptation came in was, oh, it's beautiful. It looks good. And then it says that it looked delicious. So now we're into, now we're into okay, this is, I, I, I'm, step, I'm getting one step closer to where it's, it, it's stepped from that looks beautiful to I could actually take some of that in. It looks delicious. Like that would actually satisfy me. That would satisfy my hunger that I have. And then it moved on to, and she wanted, she wanted. You see, we look at this sin like she ate of the fruit and she, she ate of this thing and all of a sudden the whole world is full of mistakes, right? The whole world is full of rape and murder and drunkenness and sex that's not right in God's eyes and it's full of all this stuff. We look at that one sin and we say, why did you eat of the fruit? It wasn't the fruit. It wasn't, the eating of the fruit was not the essence of the evil. It wasn't the essential bottom base root of the evil. There is no, chewing on fruit is not the essence of anything. Tasting of the fruit is not the essence of anything. What the essence of is what is she wanted that fruit more than she wanted God. At that moment, she wanted fruit that fruit, the forbidden fruit, more than she wanted God. The essence of all evil is your desire for something more than your desire for God. That is the essence of all evil. But it started out with a temptation, right? In James, it says that it starts out with, the temptation comes from your inner desires, and then, once that is taken root, it is conceived, and it gives birth to sin. And then, once sin is fully grown, it leads to death. You see, it starts out with a temptation from our desires. Our desires is what leads us into the temptation, and then once it's conceived, it gives birth to sin, and then once it's, sin is fully grown, it's death. And that's exactly what happened here with Eve. She was tempted, and then she wanted that fruit more than God, and she took of it. She took of that fruit, and at that moment, she wanted something else more than God. Sin had entered into the world. And then Adam, her husband, her closest companion other than the Lord, was right there at her elbow, so it means it was, he was right beside her, literally meaning at her elbow, following right behind her. He ate of it too. And then what happened? At that moment, all of a sudden, sin has entered into the world. 
sin, bad, ugly, everything that's not good is right there in that moment. It has started now. It cannot be stopped. And so what happened? See, they were naked before, and they weren't ashamed. But now they're naked, and they are ashamed. You see, once you give in to that desire and you actually let it give birth to sin, you feel shame. You feel shame. And you see, I want to tell you something. That shame is good. Let that shame build up in you. Let that shame sit for a little while because that shame is healthy. If you do not feel shame, there's something wrong. Your heart is hardened beyond comprehension. If you don't feel shame for murder or for rape or for lying or for stealing or for drunkenness or for sex before marriage, or if you don't feel shame for those things, there's something wrong. But let that shame sit for a little while, and that shame is healthy, but that shame is letting you know what you just did. It's giving you a clue that what you just did was not, that's your conscience bearing witness to the fact that it was not good, it was bad. You desired something that was not good. And then they felt shame, so they hid. And all of a sudden, their appetite for sin is just growing and growing and growing because instead of, instead of going to God, they felt the desire to go away because they did what he told them not to do. They felt the shame, and they ran, and they hid from God. And what happened after that? He said, he comes into the garden that night to take their you know, evening stroll with each other, and he says, where y'all at? And what does Kenny always say? When God asks a question, it's an invitation. So he's and I just want to reiterate that. He's inviting them. But what's amazing is he already knows and he sees the future, all the rape, all the murder, all the drunkenness, all the sin, all the things against God that break his heart. He sees that already, yet he does not go in there and just slaughter them. He goes in there, hey, where y'all at? Are y'all here? Knock, knock. And they find him. or He finds them. And he's like, why are you hiding? Because we're naked. Who told you you were naked? He said, did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to eat? And the man, he, he asked the man first because why? The man's supposed to be the leader. The man takes the responsibility. If you notice that he asked the man first, even though the woman ate first. Man, men, it's our responsibility. That's not supposed to be a pressure that's not supposed to be an overwhelming burden that we carry around because we do. Do we not? We go to work and we feel a burden because it's our responsibility, right? Everything's our responsibility. We're supposed to be the ones with money. We're supposed to be the ones that, that everything goes down. We're supposed to be the strong ones. We're not supposed to cry. We're supposed to be the ones. We don't feel any pressure. We're men. We're strong, right? Nothing bothers us. I, you'll never see me shed a tear. You'll never do it. I'm a man. I'm good. I got this. But inside, we're like, how do, I, how do I be a man? What is a man? Because our identity was lost at that moment. Our identity was lost in God. Now we're having to try to figure out what this is. In Romans chapter 5, it said it was the first man. The first man's sin led to death to all. It didn't say the woman. See, it's our responsibility. We had to take that responsibility, but there's an answer for that. 
There's an answer to your lack of identity. There's an answer to all that pressure that you feel that you put on yourself, that burden. So he asked the man, and she, he said, this is what he said. He said, it was that woman. She did it. That woman you gave me, implying you shouldn't have made her. She's the one. I didn't do it. And she gave me the fruit, bro. Like, she came on to me. You know, have you ever heard that? Like, she gave me the fruit. I didn't do it. I didn't touch it first. I just thought it was some, you know, normal old apple. You know, I just thought it, it looked good. It was different from all the other ones, but I just ate of it anyway. You know, he's trying, it was the woman. It's the blame game now, right? It's like, no, she did it first. And then he asked the woman, he comes over to the woman, hey, did you eat of the fruit? It was a serpent. He did it. It was that thing that's crawling over there. Go ask him. And so he goes and asks the serpent. He goes down the line, and I don't really know why, but he asks each one of them so that they can recognize what they just did. But you see, they felt shame, then they hid, and then they blamed. Is that not what we do when we have the sin? We end up like blaming it on something, right? Well, see, here's the problem with that. I'm not going to tell you, you should not, you should take responsibility for your actions, and you should never do this, and you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't blame other people. It's not you. I'm not going to say that, because here's why we blame. Here's why we blame. We, we don't, we want something else to be the problem. We, we don't want us to be the problem, but the, the problem with that is, is that you're not recognizing the fault, okay? So when someone asks you, did you do it, especially God, what he wants from you is just for you to see that it was you because he wants to show you how much grace he has for that. But he cannot show you that grace until we recognize what we did, right? He's not wanting to say, hey, did you do it? Yes, I did. Slap you on the wrist or do whatever. Like, you bad person, you, I'm going to put you in time out. That's not the case here. It's, hey, did you do it? Yes, I did it. I love you anyway. That is what the question coming in is like, did you do it? But when we shift the blame, all of a sudden the grace goes with it. We can't not take the blame and still get the grace, right? We can't do that. And so that's what we did. We, we blamed. And then after that, the appetite just keeps growing and growing and growing because before then they had never sinned and all of a sudden they've already committed like four, right? They're just, I mean, it's just growing. They're thinking of ways to get out of this. They're already trying to lie. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? Girls too. Like, it's like, okay, so my friend, I'm going to say they, they're the ones who asked me to do it. And I didn't know because, because she had said that it was like $5, but then I, then I was like, no. You know, and then I went to my friend's house, and I told them I was going here. But, see, what happened was I didn't know they was going here, and I was with them. I was riding with them. And then we went to this party, and I was like, look, we don't need to be here. And then it was like 3 o'clock in the morning before I knew it. We was having to sneak in. We got caught. Look, Mom, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just riding with them, you know. Like, that's happened to me before, by the way. I was... I was like, I was out, you know, my friend, he was like, look, man, let's drive my cousin. I was like, oh, I don't know if that's a good, a good idea, you know, and he was like, no, man, come on, dude, it's cool, yeah. And he's like, so we ended up like sneaking out. No, no, we didn't sneak out. We, we left in his car, went to some party, and I was like, dude, where are we at? Like, I don't even know where we're at. And he was like, dude, don't worry about it. And I'm just like, dude, I've never been to this part of town. Like, I'm scared, you know, like I'm 12 years old. What is going on? And, th- and his cousin's like 16 years old, and I'm hanging out with all these big cats, you know. 
And uh, somehow we ended up in this house, and like, like 4 o'clock in the morning, I was thinking back in. I was like, look, Mom, I had nothing to do with it. I really I, I didn't know where we are. I had no idea what we were doing. But some of you guys lie on purpose. So here's what happened. They, they felt the shame. They hid, and then they blamed, and the appetite was just growing, growing, growing. And they had a whole host of sins after that. Whole host of them. You're talking about every sin you could think of, they had the opportunity to do it, and they started doing it. They had kids, and their kids did it. And their kids, kids, kids did it. And everybody else after that did it. I've done it. You guys have done it. You see, we, our appetites have grown for sin, and it was just kind of like how I was in high school. When I was in 11th grade, guys, this is no joke. I literally ate McDonald's at least once a day, sometimes twice. I'm not joking. I ate it all the time. Most of the time, just for dinner, and I would just eat it random times. I'd just be like, hey, you know, hey, bro, you hungry? Let's go to McDonald's, you know, like, hey. And it was just like, I could drive, so like, I was cool, so I was going through the drive through every chance I got. I was going everywhere, back and forth. Hey, you want some McDonald's? I'll buy you some McDonald's. Let's go to McDonald's. And it was just like, I love their fries, and I was addicted to it, right? And so, I was eating McDonald's all the time, but I was playing basketball, so I was good. I was healthy, right? I was like, I was working off the calories, you know what I'm saying? At one point in time, I ate two Big Mac meals at the same time, like back to back. Like there was my meal, two, back, two Big Mac meals, one meal. That's what I did. And I was just, I, I was pounding them things. I was like, I love McDonald's and I'm hungry. I'm a grown boy, right? I went from like 5'9 to 6'5. It was like, what the heck? You know, like you flip those numbers around, 9'5. And it was like, I was just growing like crazy. And so, all of a sudden, though, I wasn't able to keep up. Like, it was like my body feels like bogged down all the time. Like, so I just eat McDonald's again. I feel real good about 15 minutes, and now I'm like, dang, I don't feel so good. You know, like, it's like something wasn't working right. And so I went to the doctor, and I was like, something's wrong, man. Like, he had no idea I was eating McDonald's three meals a day. And uh, it was like, he put this, like, thing on my heart, like, all over my. I, mean, I had to wear this monitor around school. I had played basketball in it. They made me run on a treadmill. Until I got tired, I ran for like 30 minutes. I'm not even kidding. I'm like, I'm still not tired. They like raised up the thing. I was running up a hill, and I'm, I'm in that thing sweating. I'm like, I'm still not tired. I don't know what y'all want me to do. And they're like, okay, we'll just get off of it then. Like your heart rate's up like really high, but you're not tired. And it was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm still not tired, but I'm, I'm always tired away from here. I don't get it. I, I don't understand. And you know what it was, guys? I was eating McDonald's. My appetite had driven me to eat McDonald's, the worst food in the face of the planet. I mean, like, who buys chicken nuggets for $2? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, there's got to be something wrong with that white meat. Like, that's not good white meat. That's bad white meat, okay? Like, and they rip it open on the commercials. It looks like plastic being, like, melted away. It's, that was what was wrong with me. I wasn't eating good. And so, like, I realized that when I changed my diet and I was eating healthier, all of a sudden, hey, I feel all right, you know? And then I still eat really bad. So, like, anytime I get tired, I'm just like, throw some vitamins in, you know, like, give me something something good. And then, like, that's just how it is, but that's how sin is. Is it not? So you sin, and then you get bogged down. You're like, what's going on? Why do I not know who I am? Why is my identity being stripped from me? Why do I not know where I'm going? And why is this? Why is that? And I don't know. I just don't know who I am. I don't know. I feel guilty all the time, and I'm having to do, make this lie to cover up this lie. And, you know, whenever I'm not sinning, I feel weird, so I go sin again to get some excitement, and then it bogs me down again. I don't know what's going on. 
is we're eating of the wrong food. You see, the food we had before was keeping us alive forever. Then we ate of the wrong food and death came. But here's it, here it is, right? Here, here, guys, listen. Remember, the essence of the evil was that we wanted something more than God. If you look at, the, if you look at commandment keeping as the es- essence of good and commandment breaking as the essence of evil, you will never know why you do what you do. You will never know who you are. Because the essence of good is not keeping the commandment. The essence of bad, the essence of evil is not breaking the commandment. The essence of good is wanting God, eating of his food, eating of him, loving and treasuring him. And the essence of evil is wanting something other than him. And that is at the very base of it. That is our salvation. That is why all of a sudden we have peace because God offers peace. McDonald's doesn't. Do you see what I'm saying? God offers love. McDonald's offers fatigue. God offers identity. Sin offers nothing but making you question your identity. God promises and delivers on his promises always. Sin over promises and always under delivers their promises. When we change our appetite, when we, our appetite grows for God and decreases for sin, that's when you'll start seeing the difference. So my question to you tonight is, what do you hunger for the most in this life? I really want you to think of an example right now in your head. What is the thing that you desire most? Think of one thing. It can just be something simple. What do you desire most? What do you want most? What is your appetite wanting? So we talked about money. We talked about physical, you know, hunger. We talked about, uh, we talked about entertainment. We talked about those things. What are you wanting most? Now listen to me. Do you have hunger pains? Is your hunger being satisfied? Or do you have to keep going back to McDonald's to get your satisfaction for the moment? Or are you eating good and your appetite is being satisfied? So there's a lot of us in here tonight, we have hunger pains. Because even though we believe in Christ and what he can do in our lives, we have lost our appetite for him. Our desire for him has gone down a little bit. And we, we, don't, we started to, to kind of trickle over into the sin area and drinking of it and eating just a nibble, just, you know, maybe a small fry, one of them little bee ones at the kitty meals. We started eating a little bit of the fries. Well, all of a sudden it was like, that's pretty good. And then, you know, water doesn't taste so good anymore. Someone will drink some Coke. And all of a sudden, broccoli, steamed broccoli is disgusting, okay? And I'm going to eat me some ice cream, and I'm going to get up in that. Like, I'm going to get me a caramel sundae. I'm going to get everything I can get. Are you having hunger pains? There's some of us in here who are. And it's because you're not eating of the right food. If you just want another simple answer to it, you're not eating of the right food. 
And that's what we're going to be learning about this whole series. We're going to be digging deep into that, but we're going to leave the question open into, are you having hunger pains? What do you desire most? And what you should be desiring, what you should be eating of is God, treasuring him above all. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. Yet sin is over here offering you nothing but temptation and sin that leads to death. So that's what we have. What are you hungry for? Tonight you may be wondering what you're hungering for most. Maybe you need to ask God for that. Maybe you just need to confess that you're eating of the wrong food. God, help me change my diet. Maybe tonight you haven't been eating enough of his word. And that's the thing that's going to change your mind the most. We learned that in our life series that when we read of God's word, then we'll learn to know his will for our life. It's his word that's going to bring you back. Maybe you just need to come down here and pray this, this simple prayer. God, give me a passion for your word. God, give me a desire for your word. I want it. Maybe that's what you need to pray tonight. Or God, help me to not have taste buds for the things of this world anymore. I don't like how it makes me feel, but I like how it tastes. Help me to not have taste buds for it anymore. I don't want it. Maybe that's your prayer. So let's pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for being the satisfaction of our desires. Lord, thank you for offering the bread of life for us to eat. God, just like C.S. Lewis said, God, it's like we're kids playing in the mud because we don't know what's offered to us in a holiday at the sea. And we're far too easily pleased. God, help us to not be like Philippians chapter 3 where it says that their God was their belly. God, help us to eat of the bread of life and drink of the living water so that we could learn to know our purpose in this life, so that we could learn to know you and we would actually have a desire for you, God. It, it, I don't want to force myself to want you. I want to want you. I want to love you more. I want to eat of you more. I want to, to be satisfied with you and to get my energy for you, be sustained by you. I don't want to be sustained by bad food anymore. It's going to kill me, Lord. I want to be sustained by good, healthy, full food. I want it to be good. And the only place I can get that is you. I want that, Lord. I, I want my desire, I want my appetite to be changed. And God, I know that's the heart of many people in this room right now. They just want their appetite to be fixed on you. They want you more, God. They have hunger pains. God, satisfy their hunger pains. Well, I just pray that you would speak to them, God. Encourage them, correct them, change their heart, change their mind. Help them to not shift the blame, but to take the grace. Lord, I just pray that you do that right now in their hearts. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.